You know, I'm a little ashamed. I have these amazing missionaries and different people on the broadcast at times. I think of Brother Sigstad, missionary to West Africa. Been there almost 40 years, and to hear how God is blessed and the amazing circumstances and life experiences that he's seen and done and been a part of and the dangerous, the dangerous things he's done for the glory of God. I think of Bob DeWitt literally being arrested twice in Myanmar, old Burma, and seeing how God has blessed the work over there and him preach the gospel and being hidden under old cardboard in a wet, damp basement to stay away from the soldiers. And then as soon as they clear out, he he's picked up, brushed off, and put back there in the little house church, little garage church to preach God's word. And I think here I am in cushy America, living a fanciful, blessed life. They would agree they're blessed too, but they seem to be out on the sharp end of the stick, don't they? And then I think back to just a few days ago the dangerous encounter I have. You know, when you're pumping gas, when you're standing there just weeping as you see the dollar signs go higher and higher and higher. Well, let's not talk about that, right? Let's stay encouraged today. Thankfully, the Lord's got all that under control. He knows what's going on in the world, the socioeconomic situations of of the world. But you know, when you're pumping gas, there are a few things you're not supposed to do. They say your engine isn't supposed to be running. From what I hear, modern vehicles. Now, this is not this is not an encouragement to keep your engine running, okay? Obey the rules. But they say modern cars are far less prone to accidental fires and things like that than maybe 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. But you're supposed to turn the engine off, right? They also say when you're filling a container, you're not supposed to fill it in your vehicle. Or even, I think, on the bed of your truck. I'm guessing they don't want gas to be spilled all over your vehicle and then touch something hot and then poof, up in smoke, right? You're supposed to do it on the ground, on the cement there, right? They say when you're pumping gas, you're not supposed to have open flames around. Well, yeah, because gas is very flammable. It'll go boom very quickly, right? They say you're not supposed to smoke while you're pumping gas. Now, can I also say this? You probably shouldn't be smoking either. It's not good for your health, okay? And your body is a temple of God and all those things, okay? We're not going to wax eloquent about that today. Let me just tell you, if you're trying to quit, that's a good thing, okay? Keep quitting and just stop, all right? But you're not supposed to be pumping gas with a lit cigarette in your mouth, right? Hmm. There I was, not long ago. I was driving up to a church. I was in California at the time. It was on my westward swing. And there I was. I was driving. It was fairly early in the morning. Church wasn't too crazy early, but I had to drive a couple of hours to get there on a Sunday morning. I was going to teach Sunday school and preach the morning message. And then uh, I was going to have a great time. Had a great time with the folks there. But on my way, I had to get gas. And those of you listening in California right now know that gas is routinely a dollar or more per gallon than it is in my home state of Illinois. And Illinois has high gas prices, 30 and 40 and 50% more than Indiana or Ohio, places I'm at often. And regardless, there I was. I was getting gas. 
well, I should back up. I was looking for a little bit of a cheaper fuel. I was looking for uh, gas prices that were a little bit lower, and there it was. I saw. I saw the big sign off the highway, and I, I, I cut over. I put on the blinker, and I got in the, the, off, the, uh, the exit lane. There we were. I was going to get gas. I was going to save about 20 cents a gallon. It was great. Pull in there. Small town. Rural California, actually, up north. And there I am, pumping gas, and a gentleman pulls up in front of me. Now, this gentleman, if I can say this, I'm not judging, but I'm guessing that he wasn't going to church that Sunday morning, okay? Part of what clued me into that was his attire. Part of it was the music coming out of his vehicle. Part of it was his just his demeanor. He wasn't looking like he was going to be going to church. Now, can I also say this? If he had been going to church, if that man had walked in the church, and you can probably guesstimate, you can probably, based off my insinuations, you probably know what I'm talking about, I hope he would be welcome in your church. I hope if that man walked through the doors of your church, you would want him there. Can I tell you, friend, if everybody in your church looks like they belong there, then you don't have a very good church. Say, whoa, that's a shot across the bow. Can I tell you, a church is a hospital where sick people come, people sick with sin. And we need people that don't have their lives all squared away. Because if everybody has their life squared away, then you might as well call it heaven because that's where we'll be all squared away. Down here on earth, we've got people with problems. I'm a person with problems. That's why I go to church, okay? This man, he looked like he, he was living life a little hard. And while he was pumping gas there, he put it in and locked it on and he was starting to pump gas and he started to light up a cigarette. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, we're all going to meet Jesus today. Now thankfully... I told you this was dangerous. Thankfully, though, he started to walk away. So those vapors, those fumes off the gas tank wouldn't spontaneously combust and decide to take me with it, okay? He walked about 15 feet away. And I had already left a little charge at gospel tract there in the gas pump, there in the credit card swiper, you know? Our charge at gospel tract, it's about the size of a... Um, uh, credit card, and you slide it right in there. The next person that gets gas, they've got to pull that out before they, before they get gas themselves. But the Holy Spirit told me, "Oh, good job, Micah. You left a gospel track for the next person. No confrontation whatsoever. You left it for the next person that's going to use this gospel track, gospel this pump, gas station pump. But what about him? What about that guy up there? The one who just lit up a cigarette? The one that almost sent you to Kingdom Come? What about him?" I had another gospel track with me called Transformed, the story of Don Price. Great story, amazing story. You can get it for free at BibleTracksInc.org. Lord prompted my heart. I was like, I'm going up to preach to a church full of people that probably most of them know the Lord, and I'm going to bypass this young man right here just because he doesn't look like he's going to church. Nope, not on my watch. Walked up there, struck up just 30 seconds or less of conversation. I said, hey, sir. Don't, don't know what you have going on right now, but while you wait for the gas to pump there, would you mind reading this when you have a second? The look in someone's eye when you walk up to them, kind of unannounced. Of course, there's a little bit of surprise, a little trepidation, all those things, but just for a moment, it seemed to me, seemed like that young man was appreciative. That someone like me, dressed up, I didn't have my suit coat on, but I had my button down, my tie, my slacks, all those things, that someone, quote-unquote, like me, Christian, would give him the time of day and hand him something. I said, it's about your eternal soul or something to that effect. Would you mind reading this when you have a moment? 
And you know what? As I pulled out of that parking lot, I had a schedule I had to keep. I couldn't talk to him much longer. I had to teach Sunday school. Maybe I should have stayed longer. But as I pulled out, he was standing there. Yes, lit cigarette in one hand. But in the other, he had a gospel tract. And he was reading the story of Don Price and how he came to know the Lord. Can I encourage you, my friend? Can I encourage you to use gospel tracts? I appreciate so very much the fact that you're listening right now. We've got about half the broadcast left. We're going to dive into the last part of this concept, of this thought that we've been having. What's in a name? And what about being nameless? We've looked at a nameless maid. We've looked at a nameless lad with a lunch. Today, we look at the nameless four with a friend. Turn to the book of Mark, chapter number two. I'm going to turn there myself. The book of Mark, Matthew, and then Mark, the second gospel in the New Testament. Mark, chapter number two, verse one. And again, he, this is Jesus, entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them, and they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when he had broken it up and let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Amazing story. You've heard before, very likely. These four men, they couldn't get to Jesus because of the press around him on the first floor, so they went up on the roof, tore the roof off, and lowered the man down. We've got, on Wednesday, we talked about the nameless maid with a message. Yesterday, the nameless lad with a lunch. Today, the nameless four with a friend. What did the maid do? She pointed the way to hope. What did the lad do? He provided all that he had. What did these four do? They persevered. Until there was healing. You know what we need some of in this day and hour? People that'll just stick it out for the sake of others. People that'll stick it out for their family. People that'll stick it out for their church. That little bit of perseverance, the ability to push through, the willingness to look a little strange, to be willing to work through the awkwardness of Jesus down there teaching and preaching to people all around the house, people probably hanging out the windows all around. He, they can't get there. And all of a sudden you hear chink, 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 chink. And all of a sudden there's light coming in, not just the oil lamps, not just the candles they had. No, there's sunlight coming in because people are tearing the roof off. They tear a big enough hole. And finally, even though there's the press of the people, they clear enough of a space, they basically drop this guy down in. Obviously, they let him down gently, carefully. He was a friend of theirs. And Jesus, what does he do? He heals that person. They persevered until there was healing, but we never get to know their names. Think about that. We never know their names. But can I make this application? When we don't care who gets the glory, God's people can work together in an amazing way. There wasn't one of them that said, hey, Jesus, my name is so-and-so. I just want to let you know I have led this little expedition, this little excursion. I would like the glory for this circumstance. No, no. They just wanted to get their friend better. That's all they wanted. They didn't care that they never got a claim. And yet somehow we all know them, don't we? 
We know of them. We should strive. We should be inspired to be like them. They were nameless, yet they were known to the master. Can I tell you, friend, you may be nameless like the little maid, the little lad, like these four, but you are known to one who knows everything. You're never forsaken. You're never alone. You're not out of his mind. You're noticeable. You've never been neglected. Friend, you are noteworthy. Can I tell you this, friend? Just like the book of Philippians says, let me read it for you here. Philippians in chapter 2. For time's sake, I'll just begin in verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Friend, that's the one whose name matters. Are you playing for the name on the back of the jersey, or are you playing for his name on the front of the jersey? Nameless, but known. What's in a name. Thank you for joining us this week. Have a great day for his glory. Join us next week. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309 828 68 That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.